I'm going to try and do something ambitious in this episode, uh, more for my sake than for yours, because I want to try to use the way speaking into the microphone forces my mind to configure itself in ways that it doesn't always when I'm writing on paper. And I'm hoping that as a result, something will become clear to me, even if I don't send it to you uh, afterwards. I've got something in mind which goes along the lines of how does the world produce new things, new ideas? In other words, what is the source of newness? One of the reasons why I'm, I've always been interested in determinism and freedom is because within a deterministic world, one could be forgiven for thinking that there is nothing new. And indeed, the book of Ecclesiastes is famous for the phrase, there is no new thing under the sun. I profoundly disagree with that. And I'd like to give a few examples why, of why. First of all, as I said in a previous episode, I think that the whole determinist framework of thought is a human invention. It is an attempt, misguided attempt, to apply to the world the framework and structure of a simple deductive logical system that is particularly well suited to human minds and the kinds of things that you can do with computers but doesn't reflect the way the world operates very well at all. To the question, why then does science manage to predict things as accurately as, as it does, I defer to another occasion if it's of interest because it would take us on too wide, too far from my point. But what I'm saying is, as I said in an earlier episode, we should simply reject the determinist hypothesis. We should stop thinking in terms that mean that the present absolutely defines the future in a way that is necessary. The second thing to say is that because of language, we can create new sentences more or less at will and certainly indefinitely. If you doubt that, for example, there is an argument that people will use that says, hold on, we only have a finite number of words. So we must only be able to create a finite number of sentences and therefore the number of things that we can say must necessarily be finite. And you could play a game of spot the logical fallacy there. Let me give you an example which I think clarifies and settles the matter. In ordinary arithmetic, ordinary numbers, we have ten digits from zero to nine. Yet we know that we can write down not only an infinite number of numbers, but 
what are called an uncountably infinite number of numbers. In other words, there are so many numbers that you can't hang them on the hooks in a cloakroom. You can't say, here's the first number, the second number, the third number, and go on to infinity. There are actually more numbers than that. This is a bit, a bit mind-blowing when you first encounter it, and you don't need to worry about it if it bothers you. But it is certainly the case, and every mathematician accepts that it is the case. So if you can create an uncountable number of numbers with ten digits, you must be able to create an uncountable number of sentences and indeed books and theses and indeed voice notes with a finite number of words. You must be able to. So, let's dispense with the notion that you can't go on inventing new ideas indefinitely by stringing together words in new ways that have not been used before or done before. Both of those, the rejection of determinism, the rejection of the notion that there are only a finite number of things that we can say, bring me on to somebody whose ideas I've literally discovered in the last few months, a Russian philosopher whose modern name, it wasn't his original name, is Lev Shestov, S-H-E-S-T-O-V. And I just checked that he was born in 1866 and died in 1938, born in Kiev in the Ukraine, as it was then, became part of the Soviet Union, of course, and he left the Soviet Union because it had become the Soviet Union in 1921, along with a great many others. So, this guy wrote a book which is available online in an English translation, an authorised English translation, under the heading, All Things Are Possible. But its Russian title is much more interesting and much more suggestive of what he's really saying, and that is the apotheosis of groundlessness. And just to be clear, the apotheosis, apotheosis means the divinization. It would actually be a good word for me to use about the process whereby human societies project their values onto a deity. The, that makes them the apotheosis of the, the deity, the apotheosis of social values. And I probably will go back and revise my terminology accordingly, although apotheosis is a bit of a mouthful. Anyway, Shestov is absolutely convinced and concerned to refute that the world is deterministic. Hence, the English translation, all things are possible. But the apotheosis of groundlessness means things aren't built upon foundations. We are not rigidly fixed to the ground, and in particular, the case that he likes to talk about, we are not fixed to the past yet we spend most of our time looking backwards. And he has all sorts of metaphors that he talks about to say that if we just convince ourselves 
that we can do as we please, that we are not constrained by the past, then we can do as we please. So what he is doing in this title, The Apotheosis of Groundlessness, is saying we can actually turn the groundlessness of life, the fact that we are not limited by the past, we can turn that into our version of God. And he talks about all kinds of people, Plato, um, lots of references to the Greek uh, myths, to Orpheus, to Prometheus, uh, and so on. And I don't particularly need to go into the details. There's a lot about it in the long essay that I've written, if you ever get round to reading it. But he is probably the most persuasive and the most powerful person I have read about to argue for the genuineness and the legitimacy of believing in our freedom, our ability to break with the past and start afresh. Now, all this being so, and I am very conscious, I am duly rebuked about having overstepped the mark with my time, so I will try not to do it again. What can it tell us about newness? While we are in the grip of determinism or a deterministic frame of mind, we will tend to accept what is given us. And we will accept it in a way that constrains how we are. And in personal terms or psychological terms, that of course means that we are persuaded by the system, whatever the system may be, to live our lives consistently. To live our lives in ways that are always measured against and compared with and attempt to be consistent with our own past and our own reading of the world and the way we've been taught to make sense of the world. So we find that the way in which our educational system, our social system, our political system, and our psychological systems persuade us to be, doesn't just, as you might say, in reinstate the past, it almost makes it obligatory for us to regard our peach stone to use the metaphor that you seem to like, is entirely fixed by the past, that we are obliged to be what we've always been. And the problem, of course, is, first of all, that that condemns us to a kind of permanent incarceration in our own history, but it also isn't true if newness is possible and if doing things differently is possible and if... Shestov is correct to say that it is in fact groundlessness that we should divinize, that we should make our God the, the one who allows us to do anything we like, provided we constrain that by some kind of uh, moral uh, framework. 
that's an, another story, of course. So, the funny thing that triggered this was that if we take the flowing river metaphor, I'm sorry you uh, prefer the peach stone, but if we take the flowing river metaphor, then if we see ourselves as the material that flows through the terrain that we encounter in the world, but taking our own route, carving out our own channel, uh, deciding what we will pause over and what we will flow past unheeded. If we take that metaphor, then the future is utterly open, utterly unbound by the past. And yet the society in which we live has an enormous vested interest in persuading us otherwise. And it has invented all sorts of institutions, including the notion that we should be consistent, that we should be respectful of our culture and our tradition, and that we should be determinists. And you can including that, include in that institutions like marriage, which are a way that society tries to cement us into the past, into commitments that we once made. And we notionally respect and indeed admire the, the idea of lifelong commitment, not just in marriage, but certainly in marriage and in many other things as well, because that helps society to force home its groundedness, not groundlessness, but groundedness, that the past is that to which we should defer and by which we should always be both measured and constrained. And I just don't, I just don't agree with this at all. And I suppose my point about um, being given permission to change is that when we take courage and unmake the world, we become able to remake it as we would choose rather than as it would have us do. So unmaking sense really matters.